0: Tom Bernard Show with Mike Molina, Andy Bernard, Bernard. Tevin Pittman. We'll be right back. I want to ask you guys, all three of you, and all our listeners, Pentagon never admitted having a secret UFO program until now. We'll get your takes on it right after this. Tom Bernard Show. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com.
1: Run, run, new
0: Sound sounded all like Chuck Berry. That's Keith Richards. Run, run, Rudolph. It's his
2: birthday today. Keith Richards' birthday's today? Yep, 74.
0: 74 years old, that's amazing. I never thought he'd live that long. No. <laughs> I never,
3: ever thought he'd live to be 74
0: years old. I don't think Keith old. thought
2: that either.
3: No. Some people seem to be especially resistant to drugs and alcohol. I guess it's true. For It's like
2: um, Ozzy. How is he still alive?
0: Well, my grandfather lived to be in his 90s, and he was a
2: raging booze. All those blood transfusions that uh, Richards had.
0: Yeah, that's what they say, anyway. The truth, as they say, is out there. In 2007, former Senator Harry Reid, along with former Senators Ted Stevens and Daniel Inouye, uh, used so-called black money to secretly fund a program inside the Defense Department to study and investigate reports of UFOs, particularly from U.S. military personnel. Despite receiving $22 million in annual funding, the existence of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program has never been acknowledged by the Pentagon until now. The New York Times reports documents from the program describe sightings of aircraft that seemed to move at very high velocities with no visible signs of propulsion or that hovered with no apparent means of lift. The program's former head, Luis Elizondo, describes evidence of beyond next generation capabilities and a 2009 Pentagon briefing on the program stated what was considered science fiction is now science fact. The Pentagon says the program was shuttered in 2012 following the deaths of Stevens and Inouye. Um, but Elizondo says that's not the case. He says the funding may have stopped, but program officials are continuing his work. Elizondo resigned in October over excessive secrecy and internal opposition. He says the existence of things not appearing to originate from a known country is not something any government or institution should classify. Reed maintains the program, parts of which are still classified as one of the good things I did in my congressional service. It also happened to funnel millions of dollars to Reed's billionaire friend and lobbied for even more security for the program in 2009 due to the exceptional progress it was making on UFOs. So Harry Reid, huh? <clears throat> millions of dollars to Reed's billionaire buddy. I wonder if... Harry got any of that money? Right. Oh yeah. These politicians are so filthy, in around the world, not just this country, but I mean, around the
2: world. Come on, somebody's got to pay. He's got to get trained to how to yeah. properly ride a
0: bike or comb his hair. Yeah. For that matter. Are there any of them that aren't filthy? Probably not. I don't. Which think is sad, but it is very sad. Is. But I think you're right. I don't. I think I don't think like any of these people.
2: I, I just. Oh god. Do you think so, Amy's like really, really filthy though, Klobuchar?
0: Amy Klobuchar. Uh, she'll I think she toes the line. That's what I think about about Amy Klobuchar. She probably toes the line and just okay, well if that's the way then that's the way it is and it's yeah, I could see her being a pushover, but like being yeah, really heavily involved. Probably not. Yeah. Now uh, there is a rumor. I don't know if it's a rumor yet, but there's been some talk about Al Franken not resigning.
4: because yeah, 'cause didn't he not give a final
0: date? And- never gave a date. Yeah. So was it a scam from the beginning? Probably. I mean, he's got to resign. He said he was going to resign, and now he can't just go, oh, I changed my mind.
4: Yeah, it's probably one of those things he's maybe hoping
0: that it kind of all blows over and people kind of forget about it, and then... Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, there are eight of them now, aren't there? There are eight women that said he did untoward things. Mm -hmm. Look, I do agree with the fact that, and I defended his position... or his situation from the very beginning. I don't like Al Franken. Matter of fact, I can't stand Al Franken, but I defended his position saying there's no due process here. I mean, there the picture with, with the woman on the plane, he was out of line, but should you lose your job over being out of line? Because did he actually touch your breasts or, or it just looked like he was doing it? It just looked like it. So I don't know. I, I just think at some point, Now we find out, of course, Lisa Bloom, who is Gloria Allred's daughter, is offering money to women to make up stories about having sex with Donald Trump or being sexually assaulted by Donald Trump. So if you don't have to provide any proof for this, look, and I'm not saying these women are lying. That's not what I'm saying at all. But eventually, somebody like Lisa Bloom is going to get them to lie. And by them, I mean other women. So what are you going to do about
4: that? Yeah, you can't really do it. And because the people that come forward lying, now that just hurts the credibility of all these other women. And then at the same time, if somebody does come through and lie in today's culture, it, the instant reaction is always, well, he needs to lose his job or mm-hmm. he needs to be fired. And so if somebody's lying, yeah, that can ruin somebody's career. But then it also hurts right. the women that it did happen to because now they don't want to come out because they're just going to be called liars and whatever
0: else. Right, exactly. So I, I would assume that... There are four guys sitting in this room right now. I would assume that women could come forward and say, oh, yeah, he grabbed my whatever. And they don't even have to prove you did it. Right. Yeah, that's that's not right. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's not right. And, again, I'm not saying the women so far have been lying. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying you're going to have to have due process. But it's too late for for Frank. And I'm sorry.
3: You are such a pain in the ass. Well, now apparently some of these senators who – were there on day one saying that Franken should resign, are now saying just kidding. I shouldn't have said that. So now there's some of them are saying he shouldn't resign.
0: Yep. So this was a scam
3: from moment one, wasn't it? I don't. I think they're just too flighty and uh, knee-jerk reactiony to do their jobs correctly. Well, and yet they yes. have their jobs anyway. That's probably true.
2: How about just doing your job? Mm. That I would mean, be good. Do you know, here we are. There could be a government shutdown if they don't start doing their job. I mean, yeah, but, how hard no, is no, that's that? It.
3: But no. they're too busy making petitions and, you know, letters of how virtuous they are. It's like no one cares what you think about this, you know, thing that has nothing to do with you. Just do your job. Yeah. That's all we're asking from them, but none of them do it.
0: No. No. It's unbelievable. They all kiss ass so they can get more and more powerful as time goes by uh, in the Senate and the House. And the more they go along and toe the line and kiss ass, the more powerful they get because, oh, we can count on uh, him or her to go along with whatever we do. So, well, let's give them more power because they're in our pocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what happens. <clears throat> they have people in their pocket. And, look, I would say this, and the line was brought up this morning, it's, it's a little too late to put the genie back in the bottle with Al Franken. He's got to go. He said he was going to resign, so you got to resign. Sorry.
3: I don't think he's going to. You really don't think he will? Well, he's now saying that, I mean, everyone is all of a sudden anti-resignation, even though just a couple of weeks ago they were all united in how horrible he is, and now he's not horrible anymore, apparently. Yeah, well, who is it that's coming out? Do you have the story? Um, well, it's not really a story. That's basically the story. There's not... Most of these uh, senators are remaining anonymous. Oh, they the, are. For the time being. Jeez. But some of them, like um, Governor Arne Carlson. Arne, Arne Carlson. Yeah, he said that a long time ago. He's a
0: puke anyway. Yeah,
3: he said he wished Franken hadn't resigned, which I don't think Franken has resigned, but, you know, whatever. whatever. Joe Manchin also says that he shouldn't uh, have been called to resign. And then there's a petition that says we support Al Franken.
0: Look, I understand due process, and I agree with
3: due process.
0: By Sylvia
3: Bullitt. Hmm. Sylvia your that last sound- name is
0: Bullet, and your name your daughter Silver. That sounds like a fake name. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, Sylvia Bullet does sound like a fake name. You're right about that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But he said he was going to resign. So, can you believe anything he says if he doesn't resign? No. I think he said a lot of things.
2: I don't think I could believe anything he says, anyways. Or know he's a politician. So. Exactly.
0: <laughs> no. So I just I don't know that. Oh, he's got to resign. He said he was going to resign. They already picked his replacement. What are they going to do? Say, oh, sorry about that, Tina. We were just kidding. Uh, probably. Well, they can't do that. Well, they
4: did it to the Tennessee football coach that they tried to hire. Yeah. Shiano. Yeah, Shiano. So, why can't they do it to Franken? What did they do? They hired a football coach that he was an assistant at Penn State. Okay. Ohio State. Or, no, it was Penn State back in the day. He was yeah, like a, from Was at Penn State during the whole Sandusky scandal? Oh, yeah. Since then, got other jobs, was vetted and cleared of anything. And then when he got hired at Tennessee, the student body protested and threw a big fit. So after they signed the contract, they were like, no, never mind. We're not going to hire you. It's like
2: no and void. then they were like, oh, man, Shiano, that sounds like a Dago. We can't have him on Tennessee (laughs) campus.
0: (laughs) No Italian campus? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Do any of these people ever tell the truth about anything? I mean, for, him to, for them to allow him to get up there and say, I will resign in the coming weeks, what does that mean? If you're going to resign, go away. But I did notice after he resigned, all of them lined up to give him a big hug. Like, what is that? Yeah. And here I am, like I said a few weeks ago, defending the guy's right to due process, and they were pulling a scam the whole time. It was a scam the whole time. Isn't that Amazing. I don't know what to tell you. I, I just... These guys and women in Washington get away with whatever they wish to get away with. Like I said, Reed's buddy, big-time billionaire, funneling millions of dollars to his to his buddy. What, uh, what are you guys thinking? Right? Yeah. Yeah, There's
4: no red flags at the meeting when... Why are we giving your friend billions of dollars
0: to look at UFOs? Exactly. And why? I mean... It just goes on and
3: on and on and on. You have to change the story, Andy. So basically the UFO story isn't that there are UFOs. It's that they were pretending there were to launder money. No,
2: this guy claims there were actually UFOs. Or yep. there are actually UFOs. I'd like
4: to see, yeah, what they came up with for $22 million a year. Yeah.
2: I want to hear someone That'd defend it. I, I, we should bring the story, bring it back tomorrow when Darkness Dave is here. Because I'm sure he's all yeah. in that. Yeah, that's true. We, yeah, why
0: don't we do that when we bring the story up in front of Darkness Dave? Because he'll he knows all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So I, like I said, these politicians. I don't. I, I can't think of one politician right now that I would listen oh. to and say they're telling the truth.
4: And with the with the UFO, why would they keep it a secret? Like it's not like they're in looking into another country where okay maybe we have no. to keep it secret. Like UFOs, are you scared the aliens are going to hear you and find out?
0: So you I think feel like
3: a lot of people, there would be a lot of you know mass panic if people found out there were UFOs. I don't really? Think, I don't think a lot of humanity could handle that. Why not? What do they think these know UFOs, UFOs are, are going to do to them? People can't handle their soccer team winning without killing each other. I well, think well, if I they hear great. about UFOs, yeah, they'll be even more uh, violent about it. Do you think it would cause mass
0: rioting or something?
3: Yeah, probably.
0: Why, though? What good is it going to do to riot just because there are UFOs? I
3: don't know. People riot over literally anything. Well, that's true.
0: That's a very, very good point. We're looking at the people, list of the people that died in the past year. Michael Chamberlain was brought up, 72 years old. He waged a decades-long battle to prove his baby daughter was killed
3: by a dingo in Australia's most notorious case of injustice. We only brought that up um, off Camera. Or oh, whatever. I know. Well, it. Yeah. Nope, that was during the break. So, yeah, um, Dingo ate my baby guy. He's dead now. Exactly. Tommy Alsop died at 85, a guitarist best known for losing a
0: coin toss that kept him off a plane that later crashed and killed rock and roll stars Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, oh. JP, Big Bopper Richardson. Hmm. Uh, he died from complications of
3: a hernia operation. Well, at 85, I mean, he probably just uh, bled out or something. William Peter Blatty died at 89, a former
0: Jesuit school valedictorian who conjured a tale of demonic possession and gave millions the fright of their lives with the best-selling novel and Oscar-winning movie, The Exorcist. Mm. He died a year ago already. Yeah, almost. Mike Illich, 87, the billionaire businessman who founded the Little Caesars Pizza Empire before buying the Detroit Red Wings and the Detroit Tigers. Boy, there are so ways to make millions of dollars. We, we are some major losers. There's result, they making i got to be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of Little Caesars Pizza. No.
3: No one is. Not since college. Yeah, it's basically for if you want cheap pizza immediately, that's where you go. So it is a college thing? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's like where people stop on their way back to their dorm. You don't have to order it because it's right there and you don't have to wait for it. Oh, that's right. It's all (sighs) pre-cooked. Yeah, it's $5,
0: so it's not like you're Mm -hmm. breaking the bank. So you're not blowing a ton of dough on everything. I suppose. Mm. I need the next page, Andy.
3: You don't care about Norma McClarkle-Gorgle? I have
0: no idea who that is. All right, then. I have no idea who that is. Let's see who else we got. Uh, Moon Murders, Stanislav Petrov. Uh, Actually, there's nobody all that interesting on that deal. There's a lot of people who you've never heard of that died during this year, 2017.
3: Well, I know Stanislav Petrov, the story behind him. Basically, the the, uh, USSR government said... uh, fire a nuclear missile because they uh, their system said that a nuclear missile was coming towards them. Oh, I remember that, yeah. But it was uh, false, so he basically, if he had fired the missile like he was told to, it probably would have been World War III, but instead he thought, no, let's wait and see, and there you go. He died at 77. Yep. So he made a great decision, and then he croaks at
0: 77 anyway. Mm.
3: Fresh, I- fresh kid ice. The, Fresh oh Kid Ice,
0: where's that? Like this. Well, Christopher Wong, oh, Christopher Wong-Wong.
3: Oh, a guy in Two Live, 53. He's only 53 years old. Fresh Kid
0: Ice, he was a founding member of the Miami hip-hop group Two Live Crew, whose sexually explicit lyrics triggered a national debate over the legal limits of artistic freedom. What he die of? Christopher Wong-Wong. Doesn't say. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. My pillow is the holiday gift that keeps on giving. Long after the bath and body soaps have washed down the drain and the new treadmill has been turned into a clothes rack, your MyPillow gift will be guaranteeing your friends and family a great night's sleep. Buy one MyPillow and get one free online with my code KQRS or call my special offer number at 800-694-2056. Buy one, get one at MyPillow.com, keyword KQRS, or call 800-694-2056.
2: Who's that? Speaking of people that we lost this year, it's Al Jarreau. God, he used to be able to sing. What
3: happened? Yeah, this is not great. Well, oh,
2: well,
3: that's a shame. It is a shame,
0: unfortunately. Al Giroux, how old was he when he died? 70s, you gotta be. It was around
2: Alex's birthday, I remember.
3: No, that's right, yeah. L-J- How do you... S- oh, J-A-R-R. All Frenchy. A-U. Frenchy-like. He was 76. 76
0: years old. An Amtrak train making its first run on a new route derailed near Tacoma Monday morning, spilling train cars onto a busy interstate. A spokesman for the Pierce County Sheriff's Office reports six fatalities... All of them train passengers. So it was three when the show began today, but now we're up to six people Mm -hmm. that have died, unfortunately. Scores more were injured, including motorists. Como reports, K O M O, reports that nearly 80 people were taken to local hospitals and some were in critical condition. The train derailed just before 8 a.m. local time Monday, about 40 miles south of Seattle, closing all southbound lanes of Interstate 5. The cause remains under investigation. Train 501 derailed on its inaugural run on a new route, having left Seattle for Portland at 6 a.m. The train was making use of a new bypass, and the local mayor had warned earlier this month about potential accidents, as recounted in this story. The bypass was intended to help trains avoid slow curves and single track tunnels along the previous route amtrak says 78 passengers and five crew members were aboard the train there are people who seem to have concussions one passenger tells a seattle newspaper of a medical tent at the scene there's a lot of blood on their faces so the local mayor said hey we got some problems here and they didn't listen to
3: him Is okay that, so it, does, it goes over so yeah it's not like yep. a car could have caused this no it goes over the, the uh, interstate. I'm guessing they just did a crappy job of welding it or something. Uh, and... Building it, yeah. Well, Andy, they only spent eight hundred million dollars on it, so why should they uh, have done a good job? How can something like that? It's like what twenty feet of metal. How can it cost eight hundred million dollars? Well, there is that. I don't know either. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Got to be the labor. It's all labor. Yep, all labor. I think it's cuz it's union labor. They cost a million dollars an hour each. Well, in Washington, they're big into that anyway. That whole
0: state of Washington. That's true. Remember they're the ones that uh, kicked in that $15 an hour at first and they're having a,
3: it's a disaster out there, but nobody will admit it. So, it is what it is. So but... this is the Tacoma bypass. I'm going to see uh, if they have like a Cuz the $800 million, that can't just be the bypass. Uh, no. Too
2: no. busy lighting up on weed. Well, hey, let's not be ripping uh,
0: <laughs> recreational <laughs> geef down here. I just, Although I don't like that mirror. I don't, I don't like sativa. I like indica. It puts me to sleep. I sleep quite well. I don't know matter. which one
3: I had, but I didn't like it. Sativa's the one that gets you high. I didn't feel high or relaxed. I just felt like my brain was resetting every two seconds. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's Sativa. That would be Sativa that does that. I was trying to, like, just think, but every two seconds, all of a sudden, my train of thought would just end, and then I would have to start again. And I was like, I really don't (laughs) like this at all, so I'm just going to go to bed. Well, that's not a bad plan. Yeah. I was like, I think I'll just wait until this is over because it's unpleasant. The Dow just a couple hours ago recorded
0: a major milestone. What is that? 25,000. 25,000. Unbelievable! Uh. President Trump will likely be trumpeting his stock market milestone—a Monday morning surge of 200 points by the new the uh, put the. It says put the Mm -hmm. the Dow Jones Industrial Mm -hmm. Average up 5,000 points for the year, a first in its 121-year history. Reports CNBC. In fact, the market's previous record for an annual point gain was just 3,472 in 2013. Man. Meanwhile, the street notes that the Nasdaq crossed the 7000 mark for the first time on Monday with investors seemingly happy about the that the GOP plan is on the tax plan is on the brink of approval for the year the Dow is up 25.6%. That's scary to be. Because if it's up 25.6%, it certainly could drop 15% yeah. without much of a I don't know. Well, then it would still be up 10%. It so. still would be, exactly. While the S&P 500 is up 20.3 percent, the Nasdaq 28.6 percent. The Dow was trading at 24,816, just before 1 p.m. Eastern time. So it went above 25,000 and dropped back down. Uh, no, it never no, went it never above. got
2: up there. I just was just figuring like it's going to be soon.
0: It's oh, going to so it never soon. got up there.
3: It's probably based on trends. It's going to be within the next couple days. That'll get because over. Because five days 000. ago it was uh, twenty yeah. So yeah, within the next three days, most likely. So Plus, it has
2: raised interest rates.
3: Yeah, they did. What are the interest rates now? I don't even know.
2: Uh, I think it was only a quarter point, but I mean, I think that's the third time they've raised them this year. I don't
0: even know yeah. what interest rates means. They're talking about raising it to about a quarter of a point four times next year too. Oh. So we shall see how that turns out. It'll
3: it'll be fine. Don't worry about a thing. <laughs> Everything everything yeah, sure. Federal interest rate, 1.16. Yeah, It was at zero for the longest yeah. time.
2: Think about it, like 10 years ago now in 2007, everybody's like, yeah, everything is going well.
0: Well, let me put it this way. When I was, uh, Molina, when I was your age, mm. the interest rate on a home mortgage was 17%. Oh. That's a lot. 17%. No, actually, I was younger than you. I was, I was 23, I think. 23 or 24, maybe.
2: Well, I believe it, because uh, we bounced around not as much as you, but when I was younger, we moved around from house to house, and we finally settled on one my mom me got right. approved. But, yeah, she paid, like, she, I remember her telling me this. It was, like, 17 or 18% interest, <laughs> oh <my> and, <laughs> and it took her forever to pay it off. And then, uh, unfortunately, she passed away, and then I, I picked up the payments and paid it off. But, man, I was, like, 18%?
0: 18%. And it, would you see when that was,
3: 17 18%? Because I think it was around nineteen seventy. Here's the. uh, Oh, what was it, 76? The chart, yeah. No, it. Well, I mean, it was up at. Oh, 1980. 12.5 in 1974, it looks like. But then it got, yeah, in the early 80s. It got up to 19% in 1981.
0: (laughs) Mm. 19% interest. (laughs) <laughs> oh
3: my God! Why would you ever buy a house at that rate? Yeah, we were not. We're not buying that house. And that's. That. It only lasted for a couple of years, so it's like just wait for it to go down. Yeah, it lasted for two years. It looks like two, three years. Well, maybe three years. No, only about two years. That's about it. And right around here is where I bought my house. Not no, no, bad. Oh, no, no. and here's Andy. I'm smart. The lowest interest rate in the past 50 years. Not bad. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the past <laughs> 60 years, actually. In the past 60 years. But I remember that, honest to God,
0: that thing shot up to, I, I thought, I knew it got up to like 17 and a half, but I didn't know it went all
3: the way up to like
2: 19%. What was that? it tied great. in with uh, Reganomics? Because, I mean, when you're approaching 20% interest, holy. It was 19,
3: yep. yeah, it looks like um, 1981-ish, and he was and he was inducted in 80? yeah.
0: Uh,
2: 81, yeah, because it was the 80 election. Yep. So, yeah, but it yeah January so. of 81.
0: And that, but he didn't. Had he had his tax
3: plan? Yeah, I don't think so. This looks like it was the previous president who was. What was that? Jimmy Carter. Carter. Yeah. Looks. Looks like Carter uh, on his way out. Gave everyone the finger.
0: Well, (laughs) I think Carter was one of those guys that had a lot of stars in his eyes and thought everything. He was one of those guys that thought, "Oh, everything's just wonderful. Don't worry about it. Everything's just look the other way. It'll all go away." He was one of those kind of guys. I think he was a nice enough guy, but he's a moron. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's the problem. There are nice guys. Yeah, he's a great guy, but he's an idiot. So, you know, what are you going to do?
3: Well, he's still around. Guy he's still alive. That's right. Which, yeah, how, but he still is. I 93. Remember, he, he's 93 now? Yep, and his wife, Rosalind, is Rosalind's still around, too.
0: Well, remember, I'm surprised she's still around him because, remember, when he was in office, he admitted that he had lusted after other women in his heart.
3: What well, does that mean, even? For the president, that's not horrible. It's I've lusted
0: after other women in my heart.
3: We've had at least, what, three presidents who admitted to affairs? So. Uh, yeah, well. Clinton did. Uh, FDR did. And I think there was another one. Who find it. Yeah, I wonder what party he's a member of. Presidents who had affairs. Ooh,
0: Andy's got it. <laughs> uh, let's
3: see. Uh, 14? 14 of them had affairs? Oh, no, that doesn't sound oh, right. Oh, I think it does sound right. We've only mm-hmm. had, what, 46 presidents? No, this was in 1998. But I don't Here's care. a symptom of a politically correct society. Here's a phrase that makes me angry like there's any that don't, but this one especially. You ever hear people will be talking about some guy, some random guy, and they go, he's a great guy. He never has a bad word to say about anybody. That doesn't make him a great guy. It makes him a phony fuck is what it makes him. <laughs> never has
0: a bad word to say about anybody.
3: <laughs> yeah, Thomas Nick, Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. He had a, an affair with one of his slaves. He did, yes, I remember that. Sally Hemings. We remember uh, talking about that. Who else you got? He met her in Paris? That doesn't make sense. Met her in Paris? Yeah, how do you meet a slave in Paris? Listen, I'm going back to America. Come and be my slave. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, that's great G. Harding. Really? Uh, and then he died pretty early, but apparently in the short three years... He uh, allegedly had affairs with at least two women. At least two in three years. And there's FDR, as previously mentioned, which everyone knows about. Everyone knows about that. Eisenhower. Oh, Eisenhower had tons of affairs with a
0: uh, with a nurse when he was at Callane Castle in Scotland, running things in World War II. He used to sneak across the courtyard and play mm-hmm. hide the hide the banana with some <laughs>
3: nurse. JFK, not a secret. Not a secret. No, not a secret. LBJ apparently You know, every one of them you've named so far is a Democrat hmm. LBJ is also not a surprise Because he was the grossest human being ever born He was one of the grossest people ever insane. born insane You are right about that Clinton we all know about uh, And that, uh, that kind of wraps it up for now to be the list yep. so I wonder what Eight, here's eight what presidents I... in the past How many we've had, like 50-ish? Here's what I don't understand about that whole thing is
0: for some reason and it's kind of reared its ugly head again in this you know not all of them but i wonder why a lot of them are democrats i don't why because everyone
3: you named was a democrat i think people who have done bad things feel the need to uh overcompensate and become like especially holier than thou yeah it's kind of i suppose yeah it's kind of like you know how so many people in prison convert to christianity Because they feel like they need to... Yeah, that's true. They need to uh, um, atone for what they've done, so they, you know... Yeah, I I suppose that's true. Is Karen ready to go? Uh Uh-huh. So we can bring her up
0: now and then take a break in a few minutes, if that's Mm -hmm. all right. Karen Page, how are you?
5: Hi, how are you? Happy holidays.
0: Happy holidays. We're just kind of (laughs) going through the list.
5: We can get a song out of it. That's impressive. We
0: get a little song going. Everything is good. We were just going down a list of... uh, a list of things that people are doing we just um Karen let me put it this way I won't dump, dump the whole thing on you but I just am not really very impressed with any politicians and I don't care what their party is or they've I'm sick of them
5: basically. all the more reason to talk about food Exactly. Wine, and the holiday season it's, it's all good <laughs> well
0: I just I just wish we wouldn't hate each other so much everybody's mad at everybody else it's Christmas
5: we don't have to hate each other we can love each other. That's the time of year for loving each other, right? I, the I, like, politics at all. I like the way you're thinking,
0: absolutely. <laughs> there Kitchen. we go.
5: Just for a few minutes anyway. Then you can go back to talking about anything you want.
0: Nah, we'll stick with food. I like it. <laughs> Kitchen Creativity Unlocking Culinary Genius with Wisdom, Inspiration, and Ideas from the World's Most Creative Chefs by Karen Page. Karen... There's nothing better Boy, than going did we have out to
5: a good time researching this book
0: oh I bet you did I was gonna say uh, probably not a bad time where did you go to research this book did you go all over the world all over the country where did you go
5: I wish we had gone all, all over the world we do uh, feature chefs from all over the world but mostly focused on chefs based in North America um, so from coast to coast though I'm based in New York City we traveled as far as Uh, the West Coast, San Francisco, and Los Angeles, and talked to chefs all in between, including Chicago and Minneapolis. So we've got chefs from all over the country and talked with them about how they get their creative inspiration, um, what the secrets are for their producing some of the most innovative dishes you've ever seen on this planet, and really um, tips for people who want to shake things up over the holiday season or any night of the week uh, in their own kitchens. Right behind their own bars, coming up with new dishes, new drinks, new desserts, all kinds of things.
0: So who did, you, you said you did cover some people from Minneapolis-St. Paul?
5: Yeah, well we uh, actually interviewed Gavin Kazen who Gavin has Kaysen. in Stable in Minneapolis. Yep. And he was a representative of the United States in the uh, Bocuse d'Or, which is the Global Culinary Olympics that takes place in Lyon, France. And actually the U.S. team won this year, which was a first in culinary history. So I think they're looking forward to defending the championship at the next Bocuse d'Or. But it was Gavin who has competed for that team and coached actually this year's team um, from afar and up close. Yeah. Um, it, it was an interesting challenge because they were given you know, sort of a mystery basket of ingredients and had to come up with dishes that would, in, that would impress this global team of judges. And one of the challenges was actually to come up with a vegan dish, uh-huh. um, which might have thrown some of the other countries' teams for a loop, but not Team USA. So that was very impressive.
0: Too many weeds for me.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have to take a quick break. I'll be right back, though, I promise, in just two short minutes. Is right. that all right, Karen? Looking forward to it. I'll be right back.
3: I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. As a locally owned community bank, we pride ourselves on individually crafted financial solutions and quick response times. h and Elevators, a Minneapolis manufacturer known worldwide for custom elevator designs, had an option to buy their headquarters. We stepped in to get the deal done with SBA and Urban Initiative Financing. See an opportunity too good to pass up? Stop in. We'll make it happen. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC
0: and equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. LASIK changed my life. Dr. David Whiting changed my life. He can get rid of those contacts, get rid of those glasses, and truly change your life. He's performed over 100,000 LASIK procedures, so there's no one else around who can compare. Let me tell you, If you're thinking about having your eyes corrected, check out Dr. Whiting and the folks over at Whiting Clinic. They've got the most advanced lasers, they've got the most experience, and they've got the best price guaranteed. All the reasons you'd choose Whiting Clinic for your LASIK vision correction. Make this year the year that you get LASIK from Dr. David Whiting. Schedule your free LASIK exam at whitingclinic.com and please tell them I sent you. That's WhitingClinic.com to take the first step in having clear, lens-free vision at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Listen to you. We are back on the Tom Bernard Show. Karen Page, our special guest, Kitchen Creativity, and Melina, our producer, is finding Christmas songs, Karen, that I've never heard in my life.
5: <laughs> There's so many out there. There are there lots. There are. Of...
0: You know, I have to ask you a question, Karen, because I I, I was born in, in, in uh, Minnesota, and I grew up here, and I've lived in Chicago, and I've lived in New York, and I've lived, you know, a few other places. you following
5: me around, aren't you? I'm from Detroit, but Chicago, New York.
0: See? But here's what I've noticed. Uh, I would tell you that about 30 years ago in uh, in Minneapolis and St. Paul, there were about three good restaurants. The restaurant scene here was not good at all, and now it's magnificent. Did that happen across the United States or... Um, is this Isn't it
5: a fascinating phenomenon? Right? It is, Typically yeah. Typically, in every city, you know, people like to eat, so there's a, at least a, f- a few good restaurants in every major metropolitan area. But what happens is that a lot of talent that comes to New York City to train with some of the best chefs in the world, which I think mm-hmm. New York has been a hot spot for that, Um, over the last 30 years, you know, they finally, you know, in the case of Gavin, for example, um, at Spoon and Stable in um, Minneapolis, he Mm -hmm. worked with Danielle Ballou, who's one of the world's best chefs. And um, he... You know, basically, Gavin got to a point where he was running one of Danielle's restaurants. He was the head chef at that kitchen, but you know, he's got to decide: am I going to open a restaurant in New York City, where the real estate is incredibly expensive, it's incredibly competitive, right. or right. am I going to go to my hometown of Minneapolis, where I can really create? You know make a name for myself. And I think that that is the same strategy that a number of chefs have chosen to leave New York city or a major city like, you know, Chicago and go off to a somewhat smaller market where they have, a they're a bigger dog in a smaller pond. Um, if to mix metaphors, I guess no, you should no. be saying bigger fish in a smaller pond. That's fine. Um, a dog but, in you know, I think fine. Gavin is so talented. He'd be a big fish in any pond he chose, frankly, yeah. but I'm glad for your sake that he chose Minneapolis to open up, um, but yeah that's really happening all across the country where i think great talent is trickling down it used to be that all the great chefs would go to france to train right and then that evolved uh in you know to into spain and now today they're going to copenhagen um that you can find great cooking all around the world and thankfully you can find it in much smaller markets than you could before
0: you know what i really looking back at my childhood And I I should mention, by the way, I I grew up. My family was very poor when I was a kid, so that might be the reason for this. But I just I remember because children have very uh, their taste buds are acute. But I just remember Mm. food not having much flavor when I was a kid. (laughs) Mm. I I just don't remember being. But again, Minneapolis-St. Paul was not a great food food area until 20 years ago, 15 years ago maybe.
5: Detroit was sort of the same way, which is where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um there are maybe a couple steakhouses that were well known. Right, right. Uh, chefs like Jimmy Schmidt put some you know, Detroit with the uh, I think London Chop House on the map. Um but now there are chefs who have moved there and there you know, it's it's a critical mass so that you right. go and you've got your choice of restaurants to choose from. But I, And I think that chefs today are cooking with a whole host of different flavor profiles from all around the world. It's not, you know, just a meat and potatoes place like I think Detroit was when I was growing up there. Um, you know, it, it, there's, we're bringing in those influences from all around the world that we've gotten exposed to in our travels or because the, uh, ingredients are being shipped in from all over the world. And so I think it's a much different, um, array of flavors that are available. And that's something that we really covered in our book, uh, the flavor Bible. Um, talking about how do you work with this whole global palette of flavors? Because uh, you know, food isn't just based on geography anymore. It's really based on flavor, and mm-hmm. how do you know how to combine things from different parts of the world that haven't been combined before, and how to figure out that they're compatible?
0: Do so you think that the that's part that's a guide
5: that will help any reader to do that?
0: Sure. Do you think the fact that that ingredients do travel well now, maybe back twenty years ago, ingredients that aren't from your local you know, farms uh, or, or lo- locally sourced in any case. And, and a lot of people obviously want to focus on locally sourced, and it makes a lot of sense. But do you think other ingredients travel much better than they used to, and that's one of the reasons that, that you can have great food all across America now?
5: Well, I think it, at one point not so long ago, there wasn't refrigeration. There wasn't right. the kind of high-tech shipping that we had. So you really did lose a lot of quality uh, in the time that it took to get Ingredients from point A to point B. So I think now with the advent of Federal Express, there was actually a term back in the 1990s calling chefs Federal Express chefs. Oh, yeah. They were working with ingredients from all over the world and having them flown in at at great expense, but there was a market for people willing to pay it because it was new and exciting. And now I think those are some of the same flavors that we take for granted that, that are going to be available in any fine restaurant or any serious restaurant town. Um, So, you know, it's interesting how quickly things change, and we get used to it, and then we're looking for, well, what what else is new? What else is new? What else is around the corner? I think that's exactly why we came up with Kitchen Creativity, to really help to, to spur cooks, whether they're professional chefs or even just home cooks, who are ambitious and don't want to make the same thing on a Thursday night that they just made on Wednesday or Tuesday. And so we really wanted to be able to inspire people to try new ingredients, to understand where the great chefs shop, because a lot of times that's where they get their inspiration, and understand how great chefs season things to taste so delicious that, whether it's at home, whether they're cooking at home or at their restaurant, that you can make it taste that delicious in your own kitchen anytime. You
0: know, Karen, it's interesting. There was just an article in the Star Tribune, the Minneapolis newspaper. Here in town, there was a story this morning about the fact that grass-fed beef has completely changed the beef industry and the way beef is is grown, the way it's sourced. Uh, that was just an article this morning that that grass-fed beef has changed the, that that world completely.
5: Mm. A lot of different changes in over the last ten years in terms of meat consumption in the United mm-hmm. States. And I think um, it's really interesting to see how, you know, in the United States, it, it was all, we were a meat and potatoes country for so many years, and that's really how we defined it. You know, a chicken in every pot. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not so long before that, um, and in the uh, probably around 2006, 2007, you started seeing headlines. A lot of the n- nutritional research came out that said. Um, that an overconsumption of too much meat was not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And they drew correlations with heart disease and other chronic diseases. And so we've seen us kind of tempering that love of meat and potatoes and returning vegetables um, and plants to the center of the plate and using meat more as an accent, more as a seasoning in dishes, if at all. You know, there's also been a rise in vegetarianism and veganism It's right. becoming much more popular, especially in cities like New York City and LA. A lot of the stars are pursuing vegetarian and vegan diets. Sure. But even people who are just, you know, wanna live a good long life, <laughs> they're cutting back on the meat and they're using it, um, you know, smaller portions. And they're a lot of times looking for higher quality. They're really paying attention to who's raising the animals that are used for the meat that they eat. And there's been a real rethinking of that. Um, it's been a real change through organizations like Chef's Collaborative um, have given a lot of thought to that. Even the James Beard Foundation has worked with the Mushroom Board to rethink you know what's what's in a great hamburger. And in some cases, you can, switch out as much as 50% of the meat with something like mushrooms and just end up with a really meaty tasting, a really delicious um, uh, burger that meat eaters love, um, but using just half as much as you might use otherwise. So it's been a real interesting change of, uh, of what we're eating and how
3: we're I think her producer just cut her off. Yep.
0: I thought she was going to be on until 50. What?
3: Oh. Is she back? She is.
0: Karen's back?
5: <laughs> I'm back. Karen, I, I don't know what you, happened there, you but... You um, my throat. Was it something I said? Was it something you said?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, how much time do we... I don't want to keep I it thought too we're long. we are
5: having a good time.
0: <laughs> do, you have, do you have three more minutes? Or do you have to go?
5: Oh, I'm happy to speak with you for three more minutes.
0: Okay, good. I wanted to make sure, because I, I just... Because uh, uh, there were two things that you brought up, you made reference to, and now I'm... I'm uh, I'm trying to think of what those two things were, because they were right, very, like very that interesting.
5: Right, of, of mm-hmm. you know, conversation. We're just in the midst of it all. You know, oh, it was because wonderful.
0: It. Be, because yeah. we were talking about, I think we were talking about sources. Oh, I know one question I wanted to ask you was, in a city, mm-hmm. in, so you're in New York, right? I'm
5: in New York City.
0: Okay, so when I lived in New York, spent a lot of time at the delis and at Italian restaurants. I mean, magnificent uh, food. And then it's been a couple of years since I've been in New York. I, I, and I, I need to get back. No wonder there.
5: you haven't called.
0: I know, Karen. <laughs> I haven't called you. Say, hey, can I get a table? But I went to a place, uh, Myalino, in the in the Gramercy Park Hotel.
5: Oh, I love that restaurant.
0: It's phenomenal.
5: Did you have a good time?
0: I had a wonderful time. And my question for you was, how do you go from one of the greatest Italian restaurant cities in the world to putting a new Italian restaurant in the in the Gramercy area? And it's just phenomenal. Uh, To improve on Italian food in New York could not have been easy, but they did it.
5: Well, if your name is Danny Meyer, who well, is the genius that. behind Shake Shack, right. um, you can basically do anything. Any touch, Anything you touch turns to gold. And I think that is Danny Meyer's sort of his home base, because he lives right around the corner from Maialino. And that was inspired by his time in Italy, which he's talked about, and how much that really infused him with the really feeling of great hospitality, how he, even as a single diner, could show up at the bar of a restaurant in Italy and just be tr- treated with such kindness right. and serve such simple yet delicious food and that's exactly what he wanted to do for new yorkers who are tired of paying too much for food who are tired oh. of lousy meals over complicated meals you can go there and get a simple italian meal and just be blown away by it,
0: it you're 100 percent correct it was it is fantastic matter of fact my lawyer was in in new york uh See, I, I do a morning show and an afternoon show, so I get sued constantly. So you know, uh, uh, I need <laughs> to
5: be—I
0: <laughs> need to be surrounded by lawyer. My lawyer was just in New York City, trying a case in the last month, and asked for my advice. And that's the first place I brought up was Mayolino. I—I uh, mm. I, I would, if I still lived in New York, though. I used to live at 20th Street and Second Avenue, mm. and I would miss the carnegie i'm sorry but i would i absolutely mm-hmm. would miss the carnegie deli and but i know that times change the other thing that you brought up and i do remember now what i wanted to talk to you about you mentioned mushrooms and how they can replace uh what we used to think of as this is a solid hamburger we have a we have a chef in town named alan burgo mm-hmm. very talented guy and this guy goes out and hunts mushrooms Uh, knows exactly the dates. And I mean down to the, it seems like the last hour that these things are going to be available. He comes up with so many different uh, kinds of mushrooms, just absolutely delicious mushrooms. Uh, So you're right. You take, people think, I think, you know, back when I was a kid, mushrooms came in in a tin can and tasted horrible. Yeah. But now mushrooms are... Button
5: mushrooms. We've come so far beyond that with centerelles and shiitakes and... Uh, morels and so many other kinds of mushrooms, I've fallen in love with them. We did a book called The Vegetarian Flavor Bible, mm-hmm. and that we had probably over 16 different types of mushrooms and all of the pairings, the herbs, spices, and other seasonings that best enhance the flavor of all those mushrooms. It's one of my favorite ingredients. They're healthful for you. They're delicious. You can put them in pastas, pizzas, burgers, you name it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty special.
2: We'll see now, Tom and Karen, you gave me a place to go because I'm going to be in New York next week. Are so, Oh, Maialino.
5: Absolutely. And but I have to tell you,
2: Karen, barking. the last time I was there, I had the best fish in the world. I went to La Bernadine. Unbelievable. Mm. I don't know who we owns just, that place that is amazing Oh,
5: it's, it's Eric repair it was named the number two restaurant in the world at oh. L- on the least a few weeks ago but we were literally just there today across the way if you don't want to pay Le on prices the insider secret is to go to Aldo film wine bar which is where we have lunch <laughs> and <laughs> husband Andrew's first day and it's a fraction of the price but it's the same the team that was trained by Eric they get the same high quality ingredients and you can get a two-course lunch I don't don't misquote me but well, right around $25 you couldn't even scratch the surface for. you can't get an appetizer for that at La Bernardin across the way
0: that is it, well Karen we, we need to if we could possibly do it, book you again in, in a few weeks, I would love to spend more time talking to you because it there are about 8 million different things that I wanted to ask you. So thank you so <laughs> well, much for after calling after the back.
5: holidays, it would be such a pleasure to get a chance to, uh, to chat.
0: It would be our pleasure, believe me. I look forward to it, and I will ask, uh, I will ask the booker to, to reach out. Wonderful talking to you, but I have a million other things to ask you, and I will do that after the holidays. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and a Happy New Year as well.
5: All the same to you, Tom, and your great team over there. Take care.
0: Thank you, Karen. She's wonderful. She was absolutely a terrific guest. And, you know, we went to the exact perfect time where we can cut out that whole part. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be great. So we can cut that whole part out where she just must have dropped off. Yeah. I don't think you should have called that producer producer's rumpet. (laughs) rumpet. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tom, our show.